4: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having just a spectacular day. I know, I know, I know. It's one of those two days of the week where we don't have NFL on TV, college football of substance on TV. And so you're sad, sad face. I actually have to, you know. Interact with other human beings this evening and not about football necessarily. My bad. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. All killing, kidding aside, we got a spectacular show for you. Um, we'll talk some Eli uh, uh, Payton pod in a second. Brady Quinn, who co-hosts co- our new morning show, is going to join us this hour. We'll t- ask him about some of these young quarterbacks and what he sees, including Mac Jones. I got some great Mac Jones sound for you. J.J. Reddick has called it a career and it's fascinating to see people react uh, with various opinions to J.J. Reddick and I'll give you kind of the real honest analysis of it. Uh, that upcoming later on in the show. Chris Sims will be our guest. We'll talk about his former coach John Gruden uh, and Ben Roethlisberger. Is he washed up or is it their offensive line? We can't really tell. A lot to get to. Let's Let's start with Aaron Rodgers, who, as predicted here on the show, congrats to Dan Byer and to me. We saw a, uh, a win, a cover, and an overcoming. Although the over was very much in doubt, I mean, excuse me, the cover was very much in doubt on the last Lions drive. Here's what Rodgers had to say after the game last night.
0: I just think people like to say a lot of, and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Even more now than when I started playing, there's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to to come out, and have a good performance, and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. All
5: right. It, it seemed to be. Uh, I want you to take a listen to this, um, guys. Let's go five zero five six one four, if you would. Okay. It, it it seemed like this was a direct response to Bill Cowher calling him out on the CBS pregame show. Howie says perception is reality. When you look at him on the sideline, he looks like he really doesn't care. I know it's no time to, to, to
6: panic. Yes, I hear relax. And he'll have a great game on Monday night. But, you know, show me you care. Mm. Show me it's important to you that the team is more important than who you are.
5: And right now, I have not seen that. All right, here's uh, Rodgers would feel like a direct response to that.
7: Earlier in the week, you said that uh, there wasn't a change in preparation. But was there a change in attitude, especially after some you guys said maybe there was some overconfidence going to the same team?
0: Mm, I don't know. I just guess. Uh, I think we maybe tried to show that we cared a little bit more
5: tonight. <laughs> Aaron hears everything, right? Look, let's let's just state a couple of um, defi- definitive statements about Aaron Rodgers. One, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Hey, he is in terms of playing the quarterback position. He is amazing. I've said it before, I've said it again, before I knew him, before we went. I just, I. there's not a box that he doesn't check. And whether or not I like him or you like him or Bill Coward, that doesn't actually matter. The only thing, the truly only thing that matters as quarterback in the NFL is do his teammates like him? Will his teammate, that's the only thing, I swear to you, the fans don't even matter. Do his teammates like him? You you can't be quarterback in the NFL if your teammates don't like you. And that's what happened to Jay Cutler. So, but the first thing is that he is an amazing player. Right? Amazing player. The second thing is he does have at times terrible body language. We may not know what his body language is bad. It Why it's bad. It could be bad ba- based upon... I don't know a million things. He could be mad at himself. He could be mad at the refs. He could be mad at the other team. He could be mad at the his offensive line. He could be mad at his coaching staff. He could be mad at the organization. He could be mad at the fans. He could just be mad at people on TV. But when last week, when things were bad, it I don't want to say he looked like he didn't care. He just looked like he had by, by, bad body language. He looked kind of out of it. He looked like a guy who wasn't... They looked like a team that wasn't ready to play. You are who your best player is. No one's going to argue that Aaron Rodgers isn't their best player, right? So if the team looks disjointed, if the team looks like it lacks energy, it's lethargic, it's disconnected, that's a reflection of their best player and their leader and a guy who's played quarterback for them for 15 years and Aaron Rodgers. Like, these statements are fine. But this is... Aaron Rodgers is trying to find his own kind of inner Jordan. And, and this is a, this is an old psychological trip and trick that has been used by coaches and players time. Over, obviously famously, Michael Jordan making up things that guys said about him to motivate him for regular season games that normally he shouldn't be motivated for. We know about that. When I was in Connecticut, working for ESPN. It was like a yearly thing with Jim Calhoun and UConn basketball. You'd go to practice. He would tell everyone within earshot how terrible his team was. I mean, they were terrible. Soft, terrible, not nearly good as Ray Allen when Ray Allen was here. There's just no leadership. You know, right? He'd just go on and on about how bad they are. So then, Idiots like me and others would go on TV and go like, you know, you kind of just not that good this year. They're liking some toughness, they're liking some talent. You know, they'll play hard blah, blah 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 blah. And then he would use those quotes to motivate his team. Like see, nobody believes in you. I believe in you. Aaron Rodgers is doing kind of the Jordan thing where he's like, his bad is they played poorly. He looked disenchanted, looked disengaged, looked disinterested. And then he's like, you know, using that as personal motivation when Bill Cowher is, I don't know if he act like he didn't care. That's a hard one. That's a, that's a big step for me to make, but he definitely didn't look like he was like, all right, dudes, let's go. Let's go. It didn't look like that, but this is the magic to Aaron Rodgers. Find somebody, something who will say something bad about you. Use it to motivate yourself and then go, (laughs) told you so let's keep in mind it was the lions let's keep in mind the game was a little bit closer than the final score the lions had some lioness turnovers let's keep in mind there was very little pressure um very little pressure being applied by the green bay defense obviously without zadaria smith but you you can't you know that not a lot of pressure to jared goff that wasn't the game plan and obviously there was an adjustment in style and in formation and personnel groupings to be able to get Aaron Jones four touchdowns. But this is the the magic to Aaron Rodgers is no one ever has played with a chip on his shoulder better and maybe more often than Aaron Rodgers. And in this particular case, it's like, man, his bad his body language is bad, which no one would argue otherwise. There's no body language expert in the world who would look at Aaron Rodgers last week and go, no, no, he looks good. He looks totally into it. But then use that as motivation, beat a terrible team, and then go, see, all the trolls. (laughs) Trolls. Which, what does the word trolls do when you hear it from a Bill Cowher, who's a two time Super Bowl winning head coach? What's that do? It makes it so that the next time you have a poor performance, they call you out. And then again, it's motivation for Aaron Rodgers. It, it's a, it's going to be a mystical ride this year. A fascinating ride. But the Aaron Rodgers use of the word trolls, which by anybody's, no, no one says, the only time trolls have ever been cute is in the movie trolls. Ale- but no, he's not using that, Hey, remember that movie Trolls? That was a really cute one. Justin Timberlake was awesome in that one. Love that song. I got this feeling. I got too many kids. I know about too many of these songs. Roger's using the trolls thing is just like Trump doing fake news. It's trying to trigger people in the media to saying negative things about you, which he feeds off of. There's a rule about real trolls. Don't feed them. Right? Don't feed trolls in the media, trolls online. In this case, though, calling a two-time Super Bowl champion Hall of Fame head coach Bill Cowher a troll, even if that's not how he meant it, that's how it came out, it's a tough one. Tough one. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup
6: in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast
5: Where would that g- be, Doug? I'm going to send you a couple songs here. We'll talk during the break. Okay. And I'm going to try and find every bu- every song at bumper out of break. Right. Wow. Will be a song that I believe everybody likes.
8: Okay. <laughs> that, that is a this hard is task. one right. Wait, wow. Wait, crank yeah. this up.
5: Crank this up. Right. Well, I know one person. Does. <laughs> Come on. Like right. And the movie was pretty no, good
0: too. Yeah, movie but, was good. Yeah, it was
5: good. There's like, there's no negatives, right? You got Justin, you got a good little beat. I the, the lyrics aren't like, come on, dude, it's a,
8: yeah,
5: it's right? simplistic. It's it's easy. Yes. It's easy. Music soothes the savage beast. This beast enjoys it. Very oh, look like a million bucks, but only spent a handful of bucks. Upgrade to Dollar Shave Club. Six-blade razor for a noticeably smooth shave thanks to their precision-cut stainless steel blades. Find your perfect shave with Dollar Shave Club in stores. Yes, Dollar Shave Club in stores. Go to the store. Find them. Um Okay, let's let's go around here. Uh, Ramos, did you watch the game? How much of the game did you watch last night? I know you have all the other kids. Ah, uh, yeah,
8: there was a lot of stuff going on yesterday. I had a Lucas had baseball practice, so I was watching it or on my phone. Okay, yeah,
5: on your phone. Can you did you watch traditional or ManningCast?
8: I did not watch the ManningCast. It was just uh, the traditional wake for fantasy football purposes, of course. Okay,
5: for fantasy football purposes, my my fantasy team was. Amazing! I had an amazing fantasy week, which means I'm gonna have a terrible fantasy week, right? Like <laughs> in my two different leagues, I have Lamar Jackson's quarterback for one and Aaron Rodgers in the other. Obviously was a we we had a good we had a good weekend. I had some others. I had um uh I Cooper Cup who pretty much won I mean he was incredible. He helped me out a, a great deal. Um Bayer, did you watch traditional or Manning cast? Uh Manning cast Okay. Uh, Jay Stu, I know you watched Manning cast a bunch because you're sending me text. Did you only watch that, or did you watch traditional? Did you two screen? What'd you do?
6: No, I, I watched both. I like the juxtaposition because it's so drastic. You know,
5: it really is. It's it's a it's a two screen. It's it's actually kind of brilliant. Okay, so let me tell you some stuff that nobody reports that nobody will ever say. Okay, so what people are gonna say was like, well, ESPN ESPN has no oversight into the Manning thing, none. Okay, Peyton. As Peyton does things, he's like, I'll do it. I'm doing it my way with my production company and my producer. And that's it. All of this is whatever his group, his company's decision-making is. Okay. So if you like it or don't like it, it's inarguable that there's, there's content there that was never previously available. And if you're going to say anything about ESPN, you say, Hey, great job getting that thing done because it's whatever the check was, whatever they had to, and you know, they have Eli, Peyton and Eli both have shows on ESPN plus also the same kind of production company. It's all in one deal. Secondly, now you know why everyone's been tracing their white whale, right? That's Peyton Manning. Is this a fair statement buyer? Like, right? Sure. The white whale. When, when I was at CBS, there was a, this, we will do anything to get Peyton Manning. I know the folks at ESPN will do anything. The folks at Fox would do anything to get Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning never played in the NFC. They would Fox would. I don't know if they would have broomed Troy Aikman, but they would have found a spot at the table for him. NBC kind of same thing. They've all chased the white whale. That's a Moby Dick reference. It's a literary thing. I know it's it's a little too much thinking on a on a, on a Tuesday, but stick with me. Um, and he's the he's the Barkley. Uh, is does Eli. Uh, uh, does Eli tee up some good stories? Yes. Does having Eli and having two brothers, does that work? Absolutely. Does it make Peyton more comfortable? Sure. Do they have some good, like McAfee was good last night. Uh, Gronk was good yesterday. All that's great. Okay. But the reason you watch is because of Peyton. And what's amazing, like again, you talked about juxtaposition, Jay Stu. How about the juxtaposition of, Peyton Manning, who's doing a broadcast, breaking down the plays, doing interviews, and like locked in on every play. You see his eyes moving and he's processing what's going on. And Brett Favre, who joined them in the second half, was like, Yeah, I didn't watch the first half. I was trying to get connected with you guys.
6: <laughs> How no, amazing was that? That was my favorite part. Hey, Brett, did you got did you take a look at the first half? No, I was trying to get connected on Zoom for an hour and a half.
5: <laughs> That's 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 every old man who was trying to get connected on Zoom over the last two years or year and a half with the pandemic, right? So uh it was it was fantastic. Um there was some great stuff. Buyer. what was your favorite part of Manningcast? My
0: favorite part, well, McAfee was entertaining uh, at the end and the you know, the story that he told that kind of went viral was good, but even just watching McAfee be so concerned about the spread because that was the only way that people were probably still watching that game or for fantasy purposes which is I think a lot of us so I would say McAfee's appearance was was probably the highlight
5: it was it was definitely I thought McAfee was good he also told the story of uh, Red 18 that was that was a good story um, is he a little over the top y- yeah the, the overly gracious doesn't maybe doesn't seem as genuine as it could be but who cares like um I thought Favre, Favre was bad. Favre was, Favre was not good. That was not. <laughs> Patrick. And I've, I, I, and I've had Favre on. A week, I had a year where I had him on, I think, five or six times. And then I had an incredible interview with him at the Super Bowl where he was literally leaving. And I was like, hey, Brett, can you? Yeah, sure, he did 20 minutes with me. He was amazing. Last night was not one of those nights.
0: I thought Patrick Willis kind of got caught in some of the commercial yeah. breaks, unfortunately. Because they were to, they were talking to him or asking him a question, and then they went away, and he couldn't answer, so he kind of got squeezed on time. I, I
6: yeah. get the instinct to like overproduce these guys because they've never done TV before, right? Book them a bunch of guests, like come up with a bunch of bits. But to me, like the best part of those three hours are just them riffing on the game and making fun of each other. Just them. You don't need to produce it.
5: Um, I, I agree and disagree. Like, yes, I, I think that's why, ESP they, they're not letting ESPN touch it. Right. Because otherwise there would be promo reads and you'd have a host, you know, you'd have it would it would look very, very different. if It was an ESPN thing. Um, This is funny. I, how about this guy? This is Eli talking to Peyton about some feedback they got from last week.
6: Basically, a lot of my friends said I I, I needed to do more forehead jokes, and I actually have a top ten of forehead oh. jokes. Oh. Uh, my Over favorite time. is it's it's a, it's not really a forehead, it's a five head. Okay. It's so Here big, so yeah. Um,
0: yeah, it's like a cowbell. I can't you know need more need more forehead for <laughs> cowbell. I mean, the best is when Dad said, "Hey, Eli." Go easy on Peyton's forehead for a few weeks, like for a few weeks. So, like in Week Seven, when Seattle coming plays the Saints,
5: you're coming back. Thanks a lot, Dad. Peyton talking about the Patriots bugging the visiting locker room. I felt like the Packers were listening to
0: Eli, you and I, our conversation on Friday about we got to come out and run the ball. I think I think our. I think our conversation was bugged, you know, kind of like the Patriots used to do back in the day. Every time I played against New England, I used to go and talk to my receivers like in the shower in the far corner. I'm like, don't talk about a play next to my locker because I know it's bugged. I know it's got a hot mic in there. We're in the shower. Very strange to see seven guys hanging out back there in the shower. But take all precautions out there. Oh, a little snap count
5: there, E. I, and that's, that's the part that I love is that he's having this conversation about the Patriots. Meanwhile, he's watching the hard snap count and talking about what he's seeing. It's, 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 it's awesome. I, I also feel, and I, I haven't seen the ratings today. The ratings last week were paled in comparison to the traditional broadcast. I do feel like it's a little like uh, red zone, right? Where you, I, you think when you're watching red zone, you're like, God, this is the greatest show, the greatest um, channel on television, and then you look at the ratings and it says that barely anybody watches red zone. That doesn't seem possible where everyone I know is like, you watch red zone. Yeah, I watch red zone. I watch that and stuff. So the, the idea that people aren't watching this just seems bizarre. Everyone I know, this is what they're watching. When a train hits a vehicle at a railway crossing, the results are often deadly. Be cautious at crossings and if the signals are going. Don't be tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Even if you don't see a train stop, trains can't paid for, by NHTSA. All right, uh, Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio. If you hadn't heard the announcement yesterday, we have a new morning show. Uh, it's 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the East Coast. Uh, it's called Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. The pros are Brady Quinn, first-round draft pick, superstar at Notre Dame, started in the National Football League. You see him on TV, calling... He's done college, does pro, he does everything. And then Lavar Arrington, is a superstar at Penn State, who's a star in the NFL for, among others, the Washington football team. And Joe is Jonas Knox, who has co-hosted a show with Brady Quinn. They're like brothers from other mothers. And it's really good. Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to nine a.m. Eastern Time. And I believe we have Brady Quinn joining us, who have you have you figured out the nap schedule? Right? Have you figured out the <laughs>
6: I, uh, You know, I'm an early riser, so this is actually no change up in my schedule for me. I, I can't speak for Jonas and LeVar because a lot of uh, our, us working together is me working remote, uh, given my travel schedule for a uh, big noon kickoff for Fox, uh, and then obviously living in South Florida. But we find out, we find a way of making it work, um, and, and obviously it's a, it's a really fun show. If you have the opportunity, you know, tune in in the mornings. Doug, I'm sure you're not up yet, but... Uh, Maybe not until the later hour, but uh, for all those on the East Coast, yeah, make sure to tune in.
5: Um, Okay, I want to ask you about Notre Dame taking on Wisconsin. Big noon kickoff is going to be there. And I think this is kind of awesome, although I have no idea how he's going to react. Jack Cohn was the starting quarterback at Wisconsin. Now he's the starting quarterback at Notre Dame, right? And the offense, I thought, got better. There were some signs last week. It's still kind of clunky, right? Um, But how do you think Jack Cohen's going to be able to process all of those emotions going against the Badgers?
6: Well, Doug, did you, did you watch last week? Did you see that gigantic boulder? That, that's that chip on his shoulder? Because yeah. that's how I would feel. You know, A lot of people feel like you, know, you, you can't lose your position due to injury. And that's just an, a flat-out lie. Yeah, you can. Because it, it provides an opportunity for someone else, and sometimes even just a little, a little bit of being able to see someone else or a young guy comes in, he's going to steal your job. Yep. That's kind of what happened with Jack Cole because I think if you had seen the first two weeks or first two games, I should say of the Wisconsin football team, they might be wishing they had Jack coming back. Uh, at least how Graham Mertz has looked. So, you know, I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. I think the other thing is it's not just going to be him. You know, because of their offensive line, the moving parts. You know, they've really had him in there essentially for a lot of passing game and for the traditional run game because uh, he's really good at getting in and out of plays. But Tyler Buckner is this freshman quarterback who adds this athletic uh, element to their offense that's been a nice changeup. I think it's actually caught defense off guard. So as much as you're going to see Coney, he's going to be hyped up for it. There's going to be some times, too, where Buckner's actually going to be a quarterback as well.
5: Um, uh, who do you like in the game?
6: Well, obviously I like my Irish. I, I think, look, they've continually got better each week. Yes. And that's where this team's at. They had four new starters on the offensive line. Some came with some experience, but for the most part, you know, four new starters, they needed time to mesh. Now, they've had injuries at the left tackle spot. They're on the third string left tackle at this point. So Tosh Baker, who's there now, he needs time to adjust in that spot. You know, new quarterback. (laughs) You're dealing with two technically with with Buckner playing, and obviously wide receivers who have now emerged. So it's a lot of moving parts. On defense, you have a new defensive coordinator. It's just there's a lot of newness, and I think that's part of the issue of Everyone's been disappointed with how they've looked so far, but they have gotten better with each week. So I think, look, this is a huge challenge for a Wisconsin team that they're going to stop the run. They're going to force Jack Cohen to beat him with his arm. And, you know, defensively, look, Notre Dame's give a lot of big plays, and that kind of fits right into what Wisconsin wants to do. They want to lull you to sleep, beat you up running the football, and then take some shots from time to time downfield. So uh, they're going to be tested. This was by far and away the toughest game and a tough stretch for Notre Dame they've played. I think they've got all the components to do it. I think it's going to feel more like a home field advantage for them as opposed to Wisconsin, even though they'll have a good crowd. So I'm talking tight, though. I'm saying like a Jonathan Dewar field goal at the end of regulation. We've already seen him do it once this year. I'm saying a Jonathan Dewar field goal to win it at the end of the game.
5: You get to Cleveland uh, being a first-round draft pick. What, what was your feeling about your readiness to start and play right away?
6: I mean, mentally, I felt ready for all of it. It was more about learning the intricacies of that offense, the verbiage, how they wanted me to run it. You know, one of the things that we did at Notre Dame was the quarterback handled all of the identification for the run and pass blocking scheme. So when I got to the NFL level, that was an issue. It was actually harder for me dealing with an offense where, you know, Rob Chensinski didn't have us control that. They had the center do it, and we could override it if we saw something, but I always liked having control because I was ultimately the person that would end up getting their head knocked off if, if I didn't know who was coming. You know, when you get a loud environment and you're on the road in Baltimore or Pittsburgh and you're back there in shotgun and the center's making identification, especially back in those days when they used to have all the guys walking around, there wasn't really any down linemen, you know, it was hard to then tell the back who he had because you're not, you know, you might kind of have an idea of what he pointed to, but not be 100% sure. So I always thought one voice was the best thing to do. So, you know, mentally I always felt prepared. It was just learning the defense is what we were going up against. It was learning my teammates, how they'd break, how they'd cut, you know, that, that kind of nonverbal communication.
5: Okay, so when you when you watch these quarterbacks, and, and we did, just so you know, although I don't, I'm not going to lie and say I listened to all your show, we did yesterday play back um, some of some of your thoughts on Zach Wilson. If you could elaborate more, though, here here's a guy, you heard his coach Robert Sala say, uh, you know, basically check, check down, like check downs work too, bro. Like, you know, just it's, it's the old singles and, and doubles. You mentioned, and we played yesterday, the inaccuracy at times in forcing the football down the field. What are your thoughts on Zach Wilson now that you've seen him a couple of games in with the Jets?
6: Yeah, I mean, not, not much has changed for my evaluation of him. I wasn't as high on him as everyone, anyone else. I had concerns about his size, his stature. You know, he's got a really quick release and he can kind of articulate his arm. And that's great. But, you know, when you look at what he did last year, I kept walking away going, he has all day to throw. And it looks like he's playing seven on seven back there. and He's making throws in the windows that, you know, that's not going to be there if they're playing a tougher schedule. It's not going to be there when he plays in the next level. That's going to be a pick or, or that ball. You know, that throw is just not going to be there. So those are my concerns kind of coming into it. And then now, you know, seeing the offensive line struggling to protect him. And, you know, I, I guess you could say Corey Davis has been maybe their best playmaker, but they lack talent around that position. It, it, he's he just got an uphill battle. But, you know, he, he was struggling putting accurate footballs in clean pockets. I mean, go back and watch the interception. In most of those cases, he wasn't pressured. So that's what's a little bit confusing is it would be one thing if he's constantly being pressured and he's throwing off his back foot or while he's getting hit and he's throwing into a bad window or something. But... In some of these cases, it was just flat out way off the mark. And so either the game's moving too fast for him, which is understandable, right? He's a rookie. He's young. Even though he's got all the reps and prepared to be the guy, there's still that learning curve, and especially coming off the crappy schedule they played at BYU last year's final year there. So that's understandable. But again, whether it's the checkdowns or just having a basic understanding of, you know, he's got the ability to extend plays and do something with his legs, too. I don't know if they're concerned about him getting hit or their backup situation isn't really one that, you know, after Zach Wilson, you can't put coffee on anyone. So there's a lot of concern, I think, just overall about, I think, the speed of the game, what he's seeing from defenses, and then trying to get a feel for how that all fits within what they want to do offensively.
5: Hard to tell on Trevor Lawrence for the layman like me, right, because I don't know about the talent that's around him. I know they were bad, and I don't know. I mean, Brian Schottenheimer is not a beloved offensive coordinator normally, and Uru Meyers' offense is more of a college offense, so it's like, I, I don't really necessarily know what I'm looking at. You do. What are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence two games in?
6: Well, I think the biggest misconception right now is that it's Urban Meyer's offense. Or Urban Meyer's offense, it's, it's, not, it's not an offense. It, it's, it's Brian Schottheimer and Daryl Bevel. You know, those are the two offenses and the blends that you're seeing. Now, Coach Meyer obviously have a fair input as to what he wants to see, but it's those two guys' offense, and that's what it is. And they're just trying to play to the strengths of the, of the personnel they have which is, look, it's difficult. Um, DJ Chark, I guess you'd say he's their number one wide receiver, maybe LaVisca Chenault, but you've got problems with both. You know, Chark, unfortunately, isn't the most sure-handed. I don't think he really likes going across the middle, and outside of being a downfield threat, that's, that's really all he brings consistently to the table. LaVisca is a player that I absolutely love. I mean, he's, he's, he kind of reminded me a little bit, and I said this back when he was in college at Colorado, you saw, like, glimpses of Larry Fitzgerald as far as his hands, his toughness, just the, uh, finding a knack of getting, like getting getting the job done, but he doesn't have the speed that Larry had coming out. It's it's more like the end of, of Larry Fitzgerald's career, um, and and then he has a hard time separating. So, bottom line is, there's more pressure on Trevor Lawrence to find ways of, you know, throwing guys open or being really accurate with where he's putting the football because of the guys he's throwing to. There's just not much separation. And We kind of joked uh, on our radio show talking about it looks like Velcro coverage. You know, it's not one, not two, not cover three or cover four. It's just everyone's stuck on everyone. There's no separation. That's a tough world to live in as a quarterback when you drop back and you feel like everyone's all of the defense are glued to your receivers. So that amongst with the fact that, you know, they can't protect him overly well. Their defense can't stop anyone. So, it, it, again, another guy is going to be playing from behind a lot. And that's my only concern about Trevor. But outside of a few bad decisions, he's also made some throws that make you say, yeah, that, that's why he was the number one overall pick.
5: Uh, Okay, now do Mac Jones.
6: I mean, he he fell into the best situation, and it's it's proving itself where he doesn't have to necessarily win them games. All of those additions in the offseason have helped. Um, Their defense has been mightily improved. They can run the football, and I think he's coming from a system that, like, don't forget Brian Dable, who was there, who was formerly with the New England Patriots, obviously now the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills, You know, he runs that system. That's the the verbiage. That's the tree. So he had some of that there. Uh, Mac Jones was there with him early in his career. And so I'm sure he's very familiar with the terminology and what they're asking him to do. And and it shows. You know, he's in complete control out there. But the biggest thing that I think is surprising to me is just how much confidence he plays with. With every throw and every decision, it's decisive. It's on time. I mean, he's anticipating at an NFL level as a rookie that, um, you know, probably haven't really seen. Uh, in quite some time. So it, he's been incredibly impressive, but I, I think he was kind of as advertised. Talking to a scout when we were traveling around who was with the New York Giants when they had that joint practice, he said he was the best player on the field back in training camp. He said not not just you know, as a quarterback, the best player on the field for those joint practices that day.
5: Still Doug Outlip's show here on Fox Sports Radio. Brady Quinn, Two Pros and a Cup of Joe is the new morning show. Brady, of course, LeVar Arrington and Jonas Knox. You got to tune in every morning during the week, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time on Fox Sports Radio. All right, Aaron Rodgers last night. Um, he, 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 he comes out afterwards and says this will quiet the trolls for a week. It feels like classic Aaron Rodgers, like... He didn't play well. He had terrible body language. Everybody pointed out he didn't play well, had bad body language. And then he uses that as kind of motivation to kick the crap out of the Lions. Quarterback to quarterback, what do you see when you see Aaron Rodgers last night?
6: Well, I, I think I saw a guy who was kind of, like, highly motivated. Almost like, you know, he'd taken so much time off of the offseason and obviously didn't really didn't play in the preseason. So it, it was kind of one of those scenarios where he almost forgot what the intensity was like. And and almost what it was like to kind of get out there, in that arena, and, and then and feel that feeling of what it feels like to lose, or what it feels like to not go out there and be at your best, or be and showcase what your true talent is. Like the, the, it's a, there's a little bit of that. Like now being out of the game, sometimes it's funny when you get back around guys who are a part of it, and the way they train, the way they work out, you know, and and just you know kind of training with them in that way, you almost forget the type of intensity that it takes. Like you got to flip to a different switch. You have to think differently and, and react differently. And, and in the first game, it almost seemed like he wasn't quite there mentally. And in the second game, it, it felt like he had something to prove. And that was the biggest difference: is just his overall demeanor completely. Now, granted, a much lesser team they're playing against. I mean, Detroit was able to hang in there for a half, but then just fell apart in the second half. I mean, I, uh, ultimately, I, they probably should have kicked the field goal instead of going for the fourth and you know fourth and one, and maybe you know it, maybe it's a different story in the game, but. Um, I, I digress. I mean, he looks like a player now that has that feeling back again, like he's got something to prove. This team has something to prove in what could probably be his final year in Green Bay.
5: Brady, great stuff, man. I know you got a busy weekend. You're always working. Can't wait to hear you tomorrow morning. And thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio.
6: Thanks for having me on, Doug. Have a great day. All
5: right, he's the best. He's Brady Quinn, stud quarterback, high school, college, NFL, first-round draft pick. Now you hear him, two pros, cup of Joe, every morning on Fox Sports Radio. You might be surprised which team will be the biggest surprise in the NFL the next two weeks. That's upcoming next.
2: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
7: mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what so are we just in case you forgot i'm tori deal i'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion
6: This is Game Time.
0: It's Game
5: Time.
6: On the Doug Gottlieb Show.
5: Dan Beyer, what's the game today? Doug, the game today is.
0: Rank them. All right, two weeks in, Doug, rank your three most surprising teams in the NFL in a good way.
5: Uh, Okay. In a good way, three most surprising teams, I think is. I kind of think this one, it's more the order than anything else. That would be my. that, That would be the first thing. It's. I didn't struggle to find three good teams. I struggled to find three. All right, so number three um, is the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals not only have two wins, but one was over Tennessee in Tennessee. If we're honest and we're fair, should have lost to the Vikings last week, right? Like that's a that's a ninety-five percent make field goal from thirty some odd yards in the middle of the field in a dome. But still, 2-0 and and the way in which they did it, especially in game one with Chandler Jones, their defense, commanding that game. Cardinals are the third most surprising team. Second most surprising team to me has to be the Carolina Panthers. They're 2-0 and on the year. I will grant you they beat the Jets one of the games, but they beat the crap out of the Saints, who looked great in week one. So 2-0 for Sam Darnold and the Carolina Panthers. And the most surprising team is the Raiders. It's not just that they're 2-0. It's that they have a win over Baltimore, who's a playoff team, and over Pittsburgh, who's perennially a playoff team. Those are the top three.
0: All right, Doug, rank your three most surprising teams in the NFL in a bad way. Uh, Great
5: question. Great question. Um, In a bad way, I think uh, the uh, third most surprising team— third most surprising team uh, in a bad way would be the uh, um, <clears throat> sorry I lost my train of thought there for a second uh, third most surprising team would be the Indianapolis Colts they're one and one I know they have a ton of uh, of injuries but to be zero and two on this season so far especially considering where they played uh, you know their, their home opener they just did not look good did not look sharp I'm going to say the Colts are the third most surprising team in a bad way. Um, I know Pittsburgh won in Buffalo week one. I know it won in Buffalo week one, but I got to tell you, like they, they look so bad in the offensive line and Ben Roethlisberger looks so old. Like I, I think that's more of an outlier than a reality with them beating Buffalo. And frankly, the Miami dolphins, you know, I know they won week one in new England but they were very much the beneficiary of, of an untimely fumble. They looked awful. Awful last week. And this was supposed to be year two. Tua's two coming out party. Bunch of skill position. And they're they're just okay. Um, that that's my my most surprising team.
0: All right, Doug, Rank, your three favorite sharpshooters in NBA history.
5: Mm. Uh Ray Allen th- Ray Allen is Ray Allen is three. Chris Mullen to Steph Curry one.
0: Mm. I would put Dale Ellis on my list. Dale Ellis is yeah. a good one.
5: What well, if we said just shooters, right? Shooter! Dale Ellis is one of those guys, right? They come in, thunder Dan Marley hitting threes.
0: <laughs> Finally, Doug, favorite numbers to play in roulette after that uh, Pat McAfee story about Peyton Manning and putting it on at 18 last night. Your favorite numbers to play during roulette. You got 1 um, through 36, 0,
5: and double zero. Um 7. Right? 7. Uh, 22. 23. And Larry Bird, 33. All right. So you had four of them. Okay. So let me do uh, <laughs> 7 <laughs> right. is, seven is game, number 3. So, 23 okay. is number 2. And 33 is number 1. All right i never played roulette, really. Oh, okay. Well, that's game time.
0: That's game, huh? Game time. This
6: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
5: Do you guys play roulette? Does anybody play roulette? I've never, I've yeah. literally never played it's it. It's fun. You do? Yeah. Just spin the wheel and hope it comes up in your number? Yeah. Not a lot of skill to that.
1: I'm Dioza. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast... podcast.